Dog TV is on a mission to improve the lives of dogs everywhere with their unique streaming service for dogs to provide entertainment and alleviate stress and anxiety throughout the day. Their science-backed programming features playful animated sequences, dogs, and other animals designed to prevent boredom and provide mental stimulation. This is a great service for pet parents who are beginning to go back into offices and worry about adjusting their furry friends to their absence. Dog TV is available on several devices, including iPhone, Apple TV, Android, Roku, Fire TV, and Xbox One. Click the link in this week's podcast episode description to try Dog TV free for three days. You may choose to continue your subscription for $9.99 a month or save money with a $60 yearly subscription. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Shopa. You may have noticed that for the past couple of weeks, I haven't put out any podcast episodes. And honestly, life has been pretty hectic. Um, My best friend came to visit for a week and a half, and it took me a full week to recover because I am a massive introvert. And I, I love her so much, and I'm so incredibly grateful that she was able to come and spend time with me. And also, I need a lot of alone time, and so it used a lot of spoons, but they were spoons well used. But we are we are back at it now, and um, this episode is so fascinating. This is a topic that I plan on talking about much more on this podcast, um, and it's all about ADHD. So this week's guest is a a content creator on Instagram uh, who goes by the tag, the ADHD accountant. And she was diagnosed with ADHD um, in her 30s. And now she's helping other folks um, with ADHD to better handle their finances. And we talk a lot about what it means to receive an adult diagnosis and how we can be more gentle with ourselves and some things that people with ADHD can do to make their lives easier. And I was so excited for this because I have been questioning for a few years now if I myself have ADHD. Um, So this was a very validating interview. And really anytime that I see people talking about ADHD, particularly for women, because women are often undiagnosed because when we think about ADHD we think about the little boy who can't sit still and is always being distracting and that's not always how ADHD presents. So it feels so validating when there are other women content creators who are coming out and saying you know ADHD presents in many different ways and so I was super grateful that today's guest agreed to come on. So I'm not even going to waste time (laughs) just yabbering away at you all uh, because I want you to hear this interview. So everybody, please give a very, very friendly, warm welcome to this week's guest, Tina Mathams. Oh, and also, this is my first international podcast recording. Tina called in from, uh, from Australia. So that's also super exciting. We're getting global up in here. Okay. Now we, now we can go to the interview. 
Well, welcome, Tina. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for the invite. Of course, of course. So I have been following your Instagram account for a little bit. And um, as somebody who uh, suspects that they have ADHD and I've not been diagnosed, I find your content extremely validating. And Mm -hmm. I imagine there are so many people out there, particularly women who are chronically underdiagnosed when it comes to ADHD who find it just as validating as I do. So um, I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about your Instagram account and the work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. So um, I started my account uh, last year when I got diagnosed uh, because I wanted to learn more from other people. I wanted to connect with other people as well because I had nobody in my life that well, at the time, I didn't know you had ADHD. Um, so I just wanted to connect with other people. And I just wanted to share my journey as well, share my findings. Um, as I'll talk about a little bit later, um, I'd done a lot of research into ADHD. So I just wanted to connect and share. Um, and, and that's what I did. And the people that I started connecting with almost instantly were just incredible. Um, you know, it was like, sometimes it was like I was talking to myself that, you know, the people are going through the same things and everything. So, um, and then, yeah, it just started taking off and, um, yeah, now I just have this little space on Instagram and I absolutely love it. Uh, so I do two things. Um, I'm a money coach for adults with ADHD and I focus mainly on, um, helping them with their spending habits because, um, if you have ADHD or you think you have ADHD, spending might be an area that you really struggle with. We impulsively spend, overspend, all the things. So, um, but it also helps um, just to help them manage their money better as well, just in general. Um, and I'm also a qualified accountant. I've been an accountant for 10 years. Um, so that's something that I've struggled with in the past. Uh, actually, when I got my diagnosis, I didn't know what that meant for my career. I was like, can I still be an accountant? Like, what is going on? Um, And I learned that I absolutely can. I just need to work in a way that really suits me. So um, I focus on helping other neurodivergent business owners um, be comfortable with their accountant. You know, I get a lot of people come to me and say, I just wish I had um, an accountant that really could understand my brain and could understand me. So that's sort of what prompted that shift into working for myself and helping other neurodivergent business owners. Yeah, that's awesome. And in my previous career, I arranged like for financial counselors to come into a corporate environment. And yeah, mm-hmm. the advice that they would give was just not great. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, oh, put this much away. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really work. Like if yeah. I'm making this much and rent costs this much, like it's just not yeah. super realistic. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still not great with money, but, you know, we, we make little changes and we learn along the way, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's all it's about. Exactly right. <laughs> so you received an adult diagnosis of ADHD. And yep. I'm curious, what what led you to even think about becoming evaluated for ADHD? Um, so it was my son that got diagnosed first. Uh, and it just it blindsided me a little bit because the way he presents is not the way I thought people presented with ADHD in my head, you know, back when that was happening, I had the very, um, you know, how we all used to think ADHD was like very disruptive, very hyperactive little boys that just 
you know, get on the school desks and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that wasn't him because I wasn't getting that feedback from, from his school. Um, so that's when I started just to really delve into it. We got his diagnosis of inattentive ADHD and I didn't even know there were different presentations. I had no idea about any of this. So, and he's actually, he's autistic as well. So he got um, both diagnoses. And, you know, when I started to learn more about ADHD, it was just, I was reading about my life, um, whether that's now or whether that was, you know, I, I related to stuff as a kid. I was, I just couldn't believe what I was reading. I was like, wow, this is, this is me. Um, and I read that it was highly genetic as well. So after a while, um, I decided to go get diagnosed and I had done that much research into it. I'd, I'd gotten on Facebook groups all this stuff. So by the time I had even decided to go get an evaluation, I had decided that I had ADHD. I just knew I had it. I was like, this has to be it. Otherwise, you know, what is wrong with me? Uh, so that's what made me go get evaluated. Um, and yeah, obviously I came out with the diagnosis of ADHD as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So for myself, I was diagnosed um, as a teenager with depression and anxiety. And so, you know, I was just like, oh, well, this is why I feel the way I I do. This is why my brain works the way that it does. And yeah, I I try to follow several different types of neurodivergent people on social media. And like, it's just been hitting me like a ton of bricks, like for the past Mm -hmm. couple of years, like there's something more going on here. And so for myself, it's like, I think that anxiety and depression that I exhibit is more of a symptom of like how I cope with it so I think it's so fascinating and so interesting because yeah when you think of ADHD you you do think of that little boy bouncing off the walls you don't think Mm -hmm. of the girl who just like can't get her head straight you know (laughs) yeah yeah 100% and you're exactly right there will be a lot of us that present with anxiety and depression and often that's what we'll get diagnosed with oh you've just got anxiety you know just go deal with that or take these anxiety tablets Um, because that was me as well I actually got diagnosed um, with postpartum anxiety um, and I started doing um, things to help that and when the things that I thought would go away didn't go away I was like well there has to be something more Um, and I hope that um, and you know that psychologist did help me with anxiety so that was great but I do hope that you know professionals now start sort of seeing that that could just be something Um, as you said, a symptom of something else like ADHD. So hopefully now that more people are getting diagnosed as adults, um, that information is going to be more readily available. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why it's so important that we have creators and and coaches like yourself who Mm -hmm. are, you know, sharing their journeys and their experiences. Um, I'm wondering, like, did you have to advocate pretty aggressively for yourself to be evaluated or were they just like okay yeah we'll do this yeah um luckily I didn't have to because we had already seen my general doctor for my son to go um get assessed for whatever he needed to um I was lucky enough that I went back to her and said look I think there may be something here for me to go get assessed and I actually um saw somebody who has ADHD himself so I first got diagnosed um by a psychologist 
uh, who has ADHD himself. So that was really quite easy because as I was explaining stuff, he was like, yeah, like we still did, did the proper assessments, but even just me explaining my life and how it presents, he was like, yeah, this, this could be possibly something. And then later on, I was diagnosed as well by a psychiatrist who has um, a special interest in ADHD. So luckily for me, I didn't have to advocate very hard, but um, I know absolutely some people do. So you talked a little bit about how when you first got diagnosed, you had some questions about like, can I continue to live this life that I'm living and like the career that I'm in? Mm-hmm. What what other adjustments or realizations did you have after being diagnosed? I realized that, you know, a lot of the things that I found hard and all the pressure that I was putting on myself was because of that. Um, was because of ADHD and you know what I mean by that was is like I've always struggled having the energy to do you know simple housework tasks like putting clothes away and washing dishes and I was like what why do I struggle with this something so simple yet you know I can go to work and do all these like amazing things (laughs) so easily Um, so it was the realization that um, you know I'm going to struggle with things even though um, there's other things that I can do that people would find really difficult and that's okay. That's, there's a reason for that and it's because of ADHD. So really it was about um, being comfortable with that and just making adjustments like, you know, being okay if there's washing that sits on the couch for days before I put it away because I know I'll get there. I just need to, you know, put on a podcast and help me do it or, um, you know, maybe I stop using dishes that can't go straight in the dishwasher or something like that. Like just make those little adjustments to make my life a little bit easier. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Um, yeah, similarly, I also, I mean, I struggle with time in general and mm. everything takes so much energy for me. Um, yeah. And so like I've actually created a little checklist for myself where it's like, okay, these are the tasks that I need to do every day. Like I, I clean the cat litter box. I, I do a load of laundry, like, and I check them all off throughout the day. And then I have like my weekly priorities and like, it seems juvenile, but that's the only way that it's going to get done. Like, otherwise I will put it off for weeks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's so important and not just for folks with ADHD, just in general to like find what works for you and like, Mm being a human is hard being an adult is even harder like yeah yeah and then you add in adhd (laughs) yeah right it's so much and you know i i don't have to tell you we live in a very ableist society where it's like there's not a lot of understanding and so we're expected to think and work in this one particular manner when it's really not at all realistic yeah Um, so how did you kind of come to terms with that and recognize that you were going to be doing things differently and like how did people around you respond to that well I guess um the first part to that is I just I just kept telling myself the why um you know I like to know the why behind things so just the why is you know for me is that I've got ADHD and that's just the way it is and you know it's perfectly fine doesn't make me Um, any less able than anyone else who may not have ADHD. I just need to make adjustments and that's, you know, that's completely fine. When I started telling those around me, most people were fine. Um, Some people didn't understand. My mum didn't really understand when I told her. But most people were like, oh, yeah, okay. And I've had, you know, a couple of friends 
um, once I said it, they're like, oh yeah, I've been wondering as well. Um, and, you know, once we sort of had that chat about, you know, how I've been struggling, they're like, oh, I can really see that in myself as well. So, um, yeah, most people have been fine. So I've been pretty lucky there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it is interesting. I think that there are a lot of parents who are like, oh, no, you don't have you don't have ADHD or you don't have this yeah. or that or the other. I'm curious yep. if you have any like idea or any thoughts on why that is. I think it's because, you know, um, depending on what generation that parent grew up in, um, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the older generations that just they didn't even know about that kind of stuff. And then as we were talking about before, as they kind of started to have children and, you know, whether these children grew up in the 80s or 90s or something, you know, that, um, as we spoke about, that that um, ADHD kid or ADD, as it was known back then, mm-hmm. um, was very, very different to what we know about ADHD now. So I guess if the parents don't have that understanding, the updated understanding of what ADHD is, um, they're probably just going to be like, oh, no, you can't have it because, you know, you got through school, you got through university. What are you even talking about? You know, you have this job, you have this amazing job, whatever. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just the, um, the knowledge isn't there. Um, and that's completely fine. Not to say that that's a bad thing. Um, it's just, you know, we're still learning about how ADHD can present in all different people. Um, so it's, yeah, it's more just about, yeah, being honest and just educating people as well, um, how it can show up in different people. Yeah. Was there, was there any expectations that you had? Um, either before or like during your evaluation about like what it meant to have ADHD that you then realize like, oh, I can actually really work with this? Um, I don't know if I had any expectations while I was being evaluated, I guess, um, because I, I don't know, I really just put that in the hands of, you know, the person assessing me um, and I just thought whatever comes out of this is you know I'll deal with mm-hmm. um, so yeah the expectations weren't there I mean I guess um, if anything I did sort of have an expectation of um, the type of ADHD um, that I'd have and I think that's even that's still a bit you know I'm not sure um, I actually did get diagnosed the first time with inattentive. The second time I got diagnosed, um, she, she didn't actually say which presentation. Um, but, yeah, so I probably had a little bit of expectation there. But other than that, I was just like, I just need to go in and get assessed. And, you know, I think that's a big thing for people who want to go get assessed is just um, don't worry about the outcome. Because, you know, I get a lot of people come to me and say, like, what if I don't have it? And it's just like, well, then if you don't have it, you don't have it. But at least you're getting the help that you need for whatever um, issues there are there. And if you do have it, then you do have it. Like try to try to not go in with any expectations about, you know, getting diagnosed with ADHD. Just know that you are in the best place for you because you are talking with somebody about, you know, the things going on in your life and, um, you know, just let go of any expectations. Yeah. That's great advice. Like you might as well have just been speaking directly to me Um, (laughs) because I find that people who are neurodivergent in any sense, like we have a really, really good way of gaslighting ourselves. Um, Mm, And so I've definitely been in that position where it's like, 
well, I'm just making it up or like I'm just being dramatic or or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, my friend reminded me, she was like, okay, well, even if you are just making it all up, isn't that worthy enough in itself to to go and get checked out? And I'm like, yep. oh, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. <laughs> so that's what I try to remind myself of all the time. But yeah, it's it's hard. And I think, too, because there's so little understanding still surrounding ADHD and what it means, how it presents, what it looks like, that we're seeing more diagnoses, right? We're seeing diagnoses increase. Yeah. And so it's like, am I bandwagoning? Um, even though that's mm. not the case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's a really interesting place to be um Mm. and i'm wondering what are some like tangible differences or changes that you've made to help better manage your life with adhd yeah so the biggest one for me is work um because that uh was one of the big things that i really really struggled with um i don't do well sitting for eight hours a day doing work <laughs> um, and that's all that's something that I've struggled with um, throughout uh, my career as an accountant uh, so I made the change to work for myself um, and it's been incredible because not only do I get to choose how I want to help people you know what I want to do in my day-to-day life but I get to choose to work within my energy levels um, and you know some days that'll mean getting up having a coffee and doing a bit of work before the kids get up because I just I'm in the zone and I feel maybe creative if I want to do some creative Instagram posts or maybe um you know there's things that I want to do within my coaching group that I'm just like oh I need to start writing these down um and you know that's that might be 30 or 60 minutes of my work day already done um or it's you know I start Um, when everyone else would usually start work but then I'm going to work for a couple of hours before I get up and go do something else and you know I'm I'm not talking like a 10 minute break that other people would have I'm talking like I might need an hour or two to actually go do something else before I can come back and continue on with my work so um, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do that because it really really has helped with my um, managing my ADHD yeah yeah I wish that my hope is that for the future, workplaces will start to be more cognizant of mm. how people work because yep. I really don't think 40 hours a week, eight hours a day of just like nose to the grindstone, like we know it doesn't work. And I always, I'm a little rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would get frustrated when it's like, why am I here? Especially I worked in a job previously where I was working with clients. And so some days I would see 13 clients in a day and some days I would see one and the days when I would see one it was like why am I here like yeah I could be doing anything else um yeah that was really frustrating so I hope that we will start to see greater flexibility in where how and when people work because we know it doesn't it's not realistic for so many people to like reach their full potential yeah yeah, 100%. I really agree with that. And I think we will see that eventually when, you know, we start to be more open um, with how different people work. And that's not really, um, you know, obviously that's going to be really um, uh, a lot in the neurodivergent space, but even people who aren't neurodivergent will still have the way that they work. Um, and, you know, for employers out there, it doesn't mean that, you know, people are going to get up and go for a two-hour break but all it might mean is that people need to start later and finish later 
Um, and, you know, for them to be able to have that uh, could mean the absolute world to them. And, you know, they'll go from um, perhaps underperforming to, you know, going above and beyond because they've got that flexibility that they can work when their brain switches on. All our brains don't switch on at, you know, 8.30 or 9 when, you know, most of the world wants to start work. So um, I think eventually we will see, we'll start to see that change. Yes, I, I very much hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I am currently working for myself and it's like I I can't even imagine going back into an office because I I need to be in my space. This is where I feel my best. This is where I get the yeah. most done. I feel my most creative. Like yep. I always say like I do my best work when I'm in comfy clothes with a cat on my lap like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is my ideal like scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um and you're exactly right. You know, it may not be about when people work but how people work and I know for me that I change locations in my house as well you know often I am in my study because my husband works from home as well so I use him as a bit of a body double when I need to really get stuff done but there's other times where I just can't be around somebody else and I need to go to another part of the house just with my laptop and just get whatever else I need to get done Um, and it's also good to have that flexibility as well yeah yeah absolutely um, so I'm curious, what are maybe some common questions that clients will have for you? Um, or what is like some common advice that you find yourself giving to clients repeatedly? I think there's things that I say repeatedly um, and, you know, whether that's people that I do work with or whether that's just on, you know, my Instagram DMs or in my Facebook group or something like that, Um it's just to really understand how ADHD presents for you because once you understand that, you'll be unstoppable and you'll be able to create strategies for yourself. Um, Obviously, a coach is always going to help or a therapist is always going to help, but if you have that understanding of how ADHD presents for you, um, it's going to be really, really helpful. And, you know, What I mean by that is even though we've got, you know, we've got the three presentations of ADHD and we've got the main criteria that we get evaluated on and that's really seen in most people with ADHD, there are going to be those little things that are just individual to you because we are, we're not robots, you know, we are individuals with ADHD. So we're going to have our own little things. Um, And yeah, to be able to understand that and figure out what that is, Um, will go a really, really long way in being able to help yourself, but also to be able to go to a coach and be like, hey, these are the things that I'm struggling with. Um, And then you can go and get help with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, like we kind of touched on, you know, we live in a very ableist society. We're expected Mm -hmm. to all work in the same way and do the same thing. So I'm wondering... How can how can the people around us better su- better support folks who have been diagnosed with ADHD, suspect that they have ADHD? How can how can other folks be helpful? Just knowing you don't other people don't need to be experts in how ADHD works, but just having the interest to be able to, you know, watch some videos, look up some things, read a few things about how ADHD Um, does present for people you know what we struggle with all those things Um, and then take that and you know your loved one or your friend um, just be open and ask them 
Like, what do you struggle with on a day-to-day basis? How can I help you? Um, Just little things like that uh, will go a long way in helping somebody with ADHD. Yeah, yeah. I think that curiosity is a big part of it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, not assuming that just because you either present normal, (laughs) air quotes, or that you have ADHD that you're going to perform in this particular way, like, it's not mm. realistic. So I, yeah, I yep. love that asking questions and asking like, what do you need? And how can I, how can I help? Because then it's a conversation. And so yeah. it's not necessarily about saying like, oh, I need this, this and this. Yep. It's saying like, this is how we can best work with each other. So I really love that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's actually one of the things that I found too, with like starting my little my little chore checklist, I put yeah. it up on my fridge. And then, you know, when my boyfriend comes over, when my friends come over, they can see because I don't like being vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'm working on. But, yeah. you know, they can look and see like, oh, wow, you haven't checked any days off. Like, how can I help? How can I help? Yeah. You? Um, yeah. And so I, I, I really like the idea of letting people in in kind of unconventional ways, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, um, I love that. How can we find you and support your work? Yep. So the best place to go is my Instagram because all my stuff is there. Um, you'll be able to see sort of um, the kind of work that I do and also all my links are there as well. Um, you should be able to access it if you don't have Instagram, but my handle is at the ADHD accountant. Um, And then if you click the link in bio, it'll take you to everywhere else. So the most notable ones are my YouTube account, which is ADHD Money. Um, You should be able to search that on Instagram as well if you don't have, uh, sorry, on YouTube, if you don't have Instagram. Um, So that one's ADHD Money and I've just started posting more on there. Um, I also have a Facebook group um, of the same name, ADHD Money. So you can go in there and, um, you know, ask questions, get some help. Um, And then my program, which I spoke um, at the beginning about, which which is ADHD Cashed Up. So I help adults with ADHD, um, you know, sort through their money, overcome their spending habits to be able to manage their money better. So you can go to those links and have a look. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tina. This has been so enlightening. And like I said, I really, I really do appreciate the work that you're doing. And it's helpful for me. I imagine it's helpful for so many people out there. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoy putting out that content. So I'm so glad it's helping people. And thank you for the, again, for the invite to come on your podcast. Of course, it's been such a delight talking to you. Procana has been on the forefront of cannabinoid research and development since 2013 and are proud to be engaged in multiple medical studies backed by leading doctors and scientists. They pledge to advocate, educate, and communicate the power of cannabinoid therapy while making CBD affordable and easily accessible. Manufactured in the USA, each and every product produced in their facility is lab-tested to ensure consistency and the highest superior quality. Check out the wide variety of Procana CBD products available by following the link in this week's podcast episode.